It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Election College, episode number 307. Dwight D. Eisenhower, part three. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, the wheels just keep on spinning here with good old Ike. Oh, man. Unlike your wheels the last couple weeks or <laughs> something like that. Yeah, if anybody's been concerned about us, um, well, you don't know the story, so you would have no reason. But True. But we haven't been here in a couple weeks. That's true. For those who are current. We're sorry about that. Yeah. Things are crazy and just happen. And, you know, when you're uh, when you're living on the road like Jason and you're, uh, you know, international superstar like me or whatever it was I was doing, I don't know. Uh, or your computer fries, like Jason's. Things just happen sometimes. Yeah. I call it the month of technical difficulties. It was like, you know, when a wheel catches on fire on an RV and you plug in a microphone into your computer and it fries your logic board, which to say logic board just makes it sound like you know what you're talking about. I have no idea what a logic board is. Yeah. Don't try to explain it to me. You probably know what it is. I do, but I won't try. It It got fried. That didn't is, catch on which fire. Which is not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Your your logic board fried, but your your brakes caught on fire. Buy Apple Care and buy the sixty nine dollar roadside assistance. If you're at all operating a motor vehicle, and especially an RV, it's like sixty nine bucks. And I've used like eight million dollars of that sixty nine dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely a good service to have. Yeah. So, back on that Dwight D. Eisenhower kick, uh, we just got done talking about how Dwight was actually instrumental in making sure that a lot of the Nazi crimes and things like that were photographed and also filmed uh, just to make sure that we didn't forget what happened and nobody could come back and say it was fake. Of course, you still have people who are uh, Holocaust deniers, but... Dwight did as best he could to make sure that some of that evidence was preserved in visual form so that we would be able to see and understand what happened to some extent. So next, we're going to talk about how he becomes the Army Chief of Staff. Yeah. So the Germans, they surrender, of course. And Ike becomes the military governor of the American occupation zone. Man, Ben, if we had a post-World War II podcast that would be so interesting to talk about yeah and i've talked to a lot of people who have you know had been to west germany and drove into berlin and how you know you drove on that crazy road and they know you know don't break down because <laughs> no i think if you <laughs> broke down like 
somebody's going to help you, but right. it'd still be pretty weird. Anyway, yeah, Ike was in charge of the American sector, as it were. And you can imagine the kind of responsibility you would have had. You would have um, reclassified uh, German POWs, and uh, you would have uh, responded to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, taking orders down from them and getting people fed and trying to take care of this interesting dynamic. You have a defeated foe. You have one of your allies who you don't trust in the Soviets. And somehow the war still isn't over because you've got the whole um, VJ day hadn't happened yet. So the the bomb is going to be dropped uh, soon thereafter. And it's just a weird dynamic with the Soviet Union. They're your allies. You don't trust them. But then after victory in Europe, it becomes really strange. It really does. And it's not going to get less strange for a long time. As a matter of fact, there's still like some strangeness happening <laughs> that like World War II ended and there's always this threat of another big, huge, giant war. But no one ever seems to want to to speak about it because, you know, then it might happen. Anyway, so in June of 1943, there's this guy hanging out with Eisenhower. And he says, hey, um, after the war's over, you might should consider being the president. And Dwight is not real sure how he thinks about that. Uh, he's he's actually really sure how he, what he thinks about that. He basically thinks that a general in the military should not participate in politics. And he kicked this guy out of his office. And Eisenhower says, you know, I don't want to be considered for any political job. Uh, I like the fact that I'm in the position where I am now. Uh, These are the ambitions I have. I want to continue in this path. And basically um, said, no, I will not consider (laughs) running for president. But then the election comes up and some people are getting antsy and people from both parties start approaching uh, Ike to run for president. And Ike says, well, yeah, I guess I'll throw in my hat. Um, because I'm probably going to get too be too old by the next time. So why not now? Yeah, and in the midst of all of this, he becomes the president of Columbia. Huh. Yeah, the university. I guess they thought, well, you can probably raise some money for us, right? True. It doesn't really work out that well because he's not really... I'm not going to say he's not an educator, he's not into it he's not a huge fundraiser on the domestic front but you know he's thinking this is going to promote the american form of democracy through education and the trustees were like uh okay sure it will it's just not a good fit (laughs) so he he kind of works himself sick and he uh goes down to augusta you know, Augusta, Georgia, where the mm-hmm. golf course is. He chills out there because that's what you do when you're Dwight Eisenhower. And there's all kinds of resentment that's building up between, you know, the military guy and the academics. It just doesn't work out. So he's out of a job not too soon after. 
so by the time December of 1950 rolls around, he's like, okay, I quit. And the trustees of the university were like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going you to hang in there. Uh, he did take an extended leave uh, from the school to become the Supreme Can't Commander of NATO, which is an awesome title. Uh, he retires as an active general in 1952. So get this. He's like Supreme Commander General type, and he's president of Columbia. Yeah. He must have had a lot of assistance. A little overzealous, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like such said... an underachiever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm living in an RV down by the river and talking about him. <laughs> I feel a little bad. <laughs> So President Truman is in office, and he is really interested in Eisenhower running for president. And he goes to him in 1951 and says, hey, run for president as a Democrat. And Ike is basically like, look, I don't like the Democratic Party anymore. Sorry. I'm I'm a Republican, and so is the rest of my family. Uh, so <laughs> the, <laughs> sorry, Democrats, but we're not part of you anymore. Uh, so he does per, uh, he does declare his candidacy for the 1952 election, and he really had to be convinced to do this by being shown that there was a reason for him to run, uh, that the political circumstances and the climate, you know, created a duty for him to run. Not just that he wanted some power, he wanted some fame, but that he would be you know, the best person suited before he would run, uh, which is something that probably more presidential candidates should consider about themselves before declaring that they're going to run. Uh, that's across the board, <laughs> past, present, now, you know, whatever, future. Uh, Eisenhower defeats Robert A. Taft for the nomination in the Republican Party, remember, not the Democrat Party. And basically, you know, there, this is where his slogan comes from, I like Ike, because... Why not? That's his nickname. It's always going to be his nickname. I like Ike. Yeah, and he's not the conventional Republican candidate. And to appease the establishment, he selects Richard Nixon to be his running mate. Kind of an interesting dynamic there because you've got a younger established establishment uh, Republican running alongside you who you don't necessarily agree with. Uh, some of his tactics and the way he is, but it works. They defeat Adelaide Stevenson II in a landslide. The Republicans take the House. They take the Senate. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. The whole Senate's even, but, you know, vice president's president of the Senate. How many episodes, what percentage of episodes have I said that? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess 38%. I feel like slapping myself every time I say it. It's true every time you say it, though. But he was the oldest president-elect since James Buchanan. I just wow. visited his grave yesterday. Buchanan. Finally it's got about out there. time. I know. It's like six minutes from your family's house. It is. Come on. It is. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and nobody cares. No. <laughs> I got into a whole thing about, like... Lancaster being, you know, the Red Rose City and York being the White Rose and the War of the Roses. Uh huh. I got the stare. The we don't care about yeah, the stare. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. 
I just had to slip in James Buchanan there. Um, Eisenhower has nothing to do with James Buchanan other than they both had houses in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's true. And um, there he is. He was, get this, the first president to have never held a political office prior to becoming president. I mean, the military is kind of a political office when you get up to the high enough ranks, but that's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. So during the campaigning that was happening for this election, uh, Truman and Eisenhower don't really talk too much, and they don't talk a whole lot about the transition that's going to happen and stuff like that. So one of the things is that Eisenhower says, I'm going to need some help with these cabinet appointments and need some, some basically some strong recommendations. And when those recommendations come, he trusts the people enough that he doesn't even question them. He just says, okay, that's great. I'll take that person. So his cabinet is going to consist of a few corporate executives, a labor leader, uh, and one journalist ends up calling them eight millionaires and a plumber. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, the good thing is that you don't really have a lot of, uh, at least, you know, not a lot of perceived patting each other's back or, you know, paying off favors to old friends or anything like that, because this was a cabinet built for efficiency. Um, now of course the people that Ike tapped to go out and find people for him may have had some personal agendas, but as far as Ike was concerned, they were all just people who were hired for the job and, um, he was willing to work with them in that capacity. Yeah. When you think of Eisenhower, um, I don't know. I got this kind of 1950s grandpa who likes to golf and fish. Yeah. Persona. That's kind of the way he was. He was really good at representing the ideals of what it means to be an American. You know, uh, you see the interstate highway system. He signs that into law. and That really helps get people from point A to point B a lot faster. Uh, he's all about, you know, using the excuse that, you know, it's kind of a defense bill (laughs) to get that passed. So that goes contrary to some of the Republican uh, views at the point, at that point in time, you know, more of um, more of this approach of, Hey, we're going to spend some money. And uh, that went over pretty well because let's face it. That was a good move. I'm glad I'm thankful for the interstate system for sure. One thing, Jason, that we have talked about in the past, but I haven't mentioned now, remember Eisenhower was a great wielder of press conferences. Um, He would use them to his advantage. He definitely had more press conferences than any previous president. And yeah, he wanted to maintain a good relationship with the press because he understood what that was like. But he really was uh, concerned about getting the word out to the American people. And what better way than to directly communicate with the American people than through the press um, most of the time. Yeah. And he, he knew how to do that. Like, right. I think that uh, FDR knew how to use the medium of radio. He was on, he was on that thing a lot <laughs> doing his yeah. fireside chats and, and using that. But yeah, Ike, Ike really served as a, a spokesman uh, for uh, these American ideals. And 
his approach to um, different countries, you know, like the Soviet Union was different than what you would think a general would have. He was very much of the philosophy of, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Right. He reached out to Khrushchev, had him over, you know, for steak <laughs> for like 11 <laughs> days, something like that. Uh, he was big into building up the strength of our military and everything like that, but very much against war. He didn't want to put the United States into a position of where we would be going to war with the Soviet Union. Now, there are other indirect ways that we would be going to war um, with the Soviet Union, namely uh, in Korea, and we will save that for the next episode. Thank you for listening, and thanks for your patience with us, as we do have to miss some episodes here and there. Uh, We certainly love doing the podcast and love you for listening. Uh, We hope you just stick with us and just hang on for the ride. Uh, Leave us a review if you haven't already, because dang it, why not? Uh, You can do that over at iTunes. You can go to electioncollege.com slash review, and just a little short review would be great. We appreciate it. Yeah, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.